You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you all. You have joined us on another live edition of Saturday Morning Live and with me in the studio today. We've got a full house today. Full house, yeah. Full house, after a long time. Uh, Shams Najam, Shweb Zafar and Mudabbar Khalid will be joining you for the next two hours uh, with the usual first hour of news stories that caught our eye. We're going to try and bring some good news stories to you or different interesting stories that caught our eye during the week. And of course, in our second hour, I'll be handing it over to Shweb Zafar, who will be taking lead on... Shweb, what's the topic, second hour? So the second hour will uh, include topic on longevity. Uh, we're going to speak, be speaking about... Uh, the links between having a long life and what we can do in this world, uh, how faith matters in these in this respect, uh, things we do every day, eating, exercise, all sorts. So um, we're going to have a quite interesting uh, discussion around that. That is the topic of conversation today. Be part of the conversation. It is your show. We want you to have your say. 0208-687-7878. That's 0208-687-7878. Or you can... Contact us through any of our socials, which is at Voice of Islam UK. Well, guys, before we go into any of our new stories, like I said, it's, uh, it's been a while that has not been all four of us in the studio. How have you been, Shams, Mudabur, Shweb? I've been all right. Hang yeah, on. good, thank you. Um, yeah, good to be good to be back in the studio. I think I've come back from quite a long break. Um, been a while since I've actually been on a show. That's why. Yeah. That's why we gave today's responsibility to you. <laughs> you have to come up with the main topic, and you got to lead it. No yeah. problem. Or no, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be sat with you guys again. What so news stories are we starting off with today? Then I guess um, from a sports point of view, uh, the Cricket World Cup started a few weeks ago. Uh, it's been a very interesting World Cup. Some real upsets that no one expected. And today, England are playing South Africa. For me, which is a must-win game for England, especially as they lost their last game to Afghanistan, which no one expected, and even South Africa losing the last game to Netherlands. I mean, it was they really like big upsets. Like I'm not a massive yeah, follower of cricket, upsets. but uh, when I, I think, think of so. cricket, I hear England, India, South Africa, Pakistan. These are like major. I mean, players. yeah, there, there are major, major kind of. And um, Afghanistan or Netherlands, I never really hear of, or like don't really hear much about them. Yeah, so. I mean, obviously they they have some sort of cricketing history as well, but in terms of their level yeah. um, and their rankings and their history of how much they've won is nowhere near close to South Africa, oh, Australia, okay. England. Um, so for Netherlands to beat South Africa was a huge upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably the biggest upset in cricketing history, if I'm in World Cup history, if I'm not wrong. What's that? Netherlands, South Africa. Netherlands, because South Africa at the moment, the, yeah. way, when they, the way they started the World Cup, it was very strong. Mm. They were seem they seemed like one of the favourites. Uh, obviously, one loss doesn't determine that, but it's it was a huge loss. Uh, it was a expected that they would win that game, and now they still have to play India. They still have to play Pakistan. So these are now like must-win games because only the top four will qualify for the semi-finals. Are there any like have you, I don't because I haven't been following it. I don't know, but have there been any like exciting or like stressful moments or like significant moments in this World Cup? For example, well, Champions depends. League a uh, number of years years ago, PSG vs Barcelona as the second leg, and uh, Barcelona had to win because PSG were up. Do you remember they won five two? Yeah, I think there's something no, similar. You know, to that. you know what it is this 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 time the format is a bit different. So the format is. Um, there's ten teams. Everyone plays and each everyone other. Everyone plays oh, each other. Really? <laughs> so it's not like you know, in a group of four, yeah. if you win one game and you win your second, you kinda know, yeah, they're through. Yeah. But here, 
because there's sort of the nine games you have to play um, it, up until the fourth, fifth, sixth game things can still change um, I mean you start to see clear sort of dominant um, and sort of the better teams but still think like England for example today's a must win game but then if they go and win the rest of their games they're pretty much you know mm. they, they, they will be through so wait, is it a league format or is it a knockout if there's 10 games if there's 10 teams all playing each other yeah like and then the top four and the top four, four, four. <laughs> so do you, do you know that uh, England and South Africa are battling on two fronts today so they're obviously playing on cricket but they're also playing for the semi world cup uh, sorry semi finals in the rugby world cup as rugby. well today as well yeah so yeah, interesting yeah. battling on two fronts so do you follow do you follow rugby no I've not been following too much but uh, in the morning when I go to the gym there's a South African man and he's always catching up with me about the rugby telling me how it's going on yeah. you just keep nodding along yeah I, keep, <laughs> I, keep, I just keep nodding along yeah okay yeah let, let me let me carry my work out nah uh, but yeah no India uh, have been phenomenal though haven't they India have look India like the team to beat I mean they've got the home they advantage. are tournament favourites yeah yeah. Did you watch the Pakistan vs India game? That yeah. atmosphere yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen all the games, and it's surprising to see that the venues aren't full as I They're thought not. it would be. But then that India Pakistan game, it's like almost bigger than cricket, to be honest. Of when these two countries play each other in any sport. Which is why it was su- such a shame that actually the the, the fans you couldn't re- there wasn't really a good mix of fans. Mm. Um, no, but I didn't expect it to be though. Uh, no, I, I, I did. I, um, I haven't really. India have the second biggest this. population in the world. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't pick up on the sending news story. But what was no, but generally sorry, gone when I was watching the game and you know there was a a, f- a boundary shot. You just especially from Pakistan, you just it was, it was silent. silent. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this this sounds so strange. And it wasn't until one of my um, the friend I was watching it pointed out that because there's hardly any Pakistani fans there. I think there, I think there have been um, there's been there's been visa issues, but also I think the the schedule was released quite late, wasn't it? And the mm. way it was decided, things were changed around quite a bit. So. I think that caused a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of some problems. I but think the only difference for me, like with this format of cricket, I mean, with T20, it's like three hours, four hours max, mm-hmm. and you're done. I think with this format now, obviously this being the original format and test cricket, it's like you know quite early on your team is not in a good... Like, for example, yesterday, Pakistan played Australia. Australia hit 367. Yeah. That's a huge it's a hard one. Amount, to chase. Yeah. I think so you know, in the tournament. I, I, after after twenty no. overs, I'm just saying after twenty overs, and you see the both openers are on a century. You know, Pakistan are going to struggle. So if you're a Pakistan fan, you still sit there and watch six, seven hours worth of cricket, <laughs> knowing that you're most likely going to lose, but still with some sort of like hope that maybe, maybe, just maybe. <laughs> but then at the end of it, you're like, who said that? You someone said to me, oh, I wasted yesterday just watching yeah. this Pakistan <laughs> At really. the end of it, you just sit there you're like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the World Cup um, I think within sports there's uh, next week we mentioned it before as well it's Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou this uh, some may call it a circus some may call it an interesting matchup Bef- before we get on to that last week was Fury and KSI yeah and Jake Paul and Danny's and like, oh, YouTube what do you think about these fights what do you, Logan, Logan <coughs> what do you think about these fights I think someone uh, someone um described it perfectly when they said it's basically WWE with gloves on <laughs> and that's so true in terms of like they know how to they sell a story much better than actual boxers so wait hold on but WWE is fake though are we saying no that it's, WWE it's is entertainment yeah it's entertainment don't but say it's fake it's fake. I grew up on WWE <laughs> that's fine bro yeah, so, I'm very so to share your dreams yeah, yeah, yeah. the tooth theory isn't reliable Ray, by the way. when Ray Mysterio jumps from <laughs> you're the bringing back the real deep <laughs> deep cuts that is real <laughs> no WWE meaning it's entertainment yeah. and those people obviously have to train and work hard to put on a performance yeah so the only difference is these guys are doing the same thing but the performance that they're putting on they're actually trying to hurt each other 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only difference. No, whereas like for example in real boxing, I'll give you an example. Like I was really looking forward to this Boatsy versus Azim Aziz fight, yeah. Aziz fight because there were two real boxers. Real kind of um upcoming. Well, we not say upcoming. upcoming. You can they, say like they, they're title contenders. They're, they're in they're now. in the conversation of like okay, you might have the next title shot. Hmm. And that was a real but the hype behind it wasn't that much compared to like KSI versus Tyson Fury. Just because that generation of uh or that audience, target audience that they have, the YouTube generation, Instagram, they follow them. So they have a following. Anything that they do, they they will well, gauge on, interest. On, on the following issue, um, just a couple of hours ago on BBC, Jack Cattrall, uh, there's, there's an article that's released and mentions that Jack Cattrall says that the controversial defeat by Josh Taylor last year turned people off boxing. And I think we have started to see that, that one the matchups aren't as good as we'd yeah. like them to be but yeah. two there's been one too many times now where you you think a result you know should have clearly gone one way and then it goes yeah. another and yeah. it, it does start and this is why when you were saying uh, you're a huge boxing fan and we've been boxing, watching boxing for probably over a decade together now but now you're saying you prefer UFC. 100% prefer UFC. But this yeah, is it. So people yeah. are being put off boxing, right? Because it's just not the same. The matchups aren't the same. And this is where we can sort of lead into the Fury fight. Because even he's fighting, you know, it's like this crossover. And it's just not, it's not the pure boxing, which, which, which in itself is, you know, quite an entertaining art to watch and follow. But now it's become about this entertainment and all of, the, all of this yeah, and all yeah, the money. Is, and it's just the, not the same. Yeah, this is why I say that. I, this is why, you know what, hats off to these YouTube or boxing mix, mi uh, misfits, as they call them. Because they've, they're making money. They've got revenue out of this one kind of becoming boxers. And regardless of the quality of the fight, people watch it. I, yeah, think, I, think, I think I saw one stat that the pay-per-view revenue from this fight potentially was probably one of the biggest in the UK. Yeah. Well, well, was this the Fury and well, Nagano? No, no, Fury, no, um, Fury and KSI. Oh. Well, Eddie Hearn mentioned that um, the other Fury, uh, what's his name, who fought KSI, Tommy, uh, Tommy Fury, was he's not a great boxer yeah. and he's still sort of you know coming up and he was earning 50 60k per fight, but because of this YouTube, he's yeah. earning like five six mil per fight, yeah. But the, if you actually think about it, like they've come into the sport of boxing because it's got a gladiatorial element to it and it's fighting and yeah. because the you, 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 social media world we live in and the clashes and the conflict and people disliking each other it's, it kind of looks like it's a way to settle and it brings back that gladiatorial sort of feel to it if they were to start up a football league do you think it would have the same effect? If they were, if no these chance. exactly, so if these guys were to start, it's the scrapping part of it. Yeah, isn't it? so it's if they were to go on a tennis court, no, I think it would still have a following. I mean, they would have a following because they're massive YouTubers. Are, but I'll give I think you an example. Boxing itself. I'll give you an example. The they, the it's called KSI is part of this group called Sidemen. Yeah. They hold a charity match every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year they hold a charity match and it did record numbers in terms yeah. of how much money they collected. Yeah. But this isn't for charity. So no, the I'm charity. Saying, no, I'm just saying generally, like, but it's the people. But who that's what I'm saying. A one-off. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. they've actually entered this sport and more and more people are coming into it more officially now. Like KSI, KSI is officially doing it. Jake Paul, Logan Paul, like these guys want to have more fights. Like they, you know, they're actually coming into the sport. Boxers, yeah, they're coming into the sport. But from that sense. angle, which people who actually have a love for boxing, they don't find it that entertaining. They don't yeah. like it. Yeah. But this fight, this uh, Tyson Fury and Nagano fight, I mean, who who is this Nagano guy's 
Have you guys heard? You've never heard Ngannou. You've never heard Ngannou. Have you ever seen UFC fighter? Yeah, yeah. I think, but he's not a not a. Ngannou is someone. Yeah, he's not a boxer, but he was the UFC heavyweight champion. Very dominant. Extremely powerful. He's got knockout power in both of his hands. They say that he's one of the hardest hitters yeah, in the world. Yeah, apparently oh, he's wow, got the world okay. record for being the hardest hitter. Yeah. So he's matching up against Tyson Fury, who I don't think he'll land a punch. Who's technically <laughs> probably one of the best boxers of our generation, mm-hmm. especially in his size and his frame. So it's again like it's the argument it's of two different lands. sports. Yeah. It's two completely yeah. different sports. So but the yeah. the thing is, the selling point is that obviously it's two of the best in the industries but Mike Tyson mm-hmm. is training Francis Ngannou and Mike Tyson is someone who uh, Tyson Fury is named after mm-hmm. so like he's got that kind of well my hero is uh, against me against me so it's like that's their selling point obviously like they sell a, they sell you a dream they want you to buy the pay-per-view that this guy might land and if he lands it's KO for <coughs> has, has there been any sort of crossover fight which you've Watched and thought this was like the Mayweather and um, McGregor. McGregor fight oh. was huge. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely I remember huge. Las Vegas so. Airport. They they, they, were, they didn't have but room to land on any more um, private planes. Yeah, they, they run out of space for jets to come in. That's how many celebrities. Were, but it was in. such a rubbish fight. It was, it was so bad, so mm. bad. So but you know what it is. You know what the you know what the, the like the the twist is is when you hear UFC, you think, oh, is it going to be bloody? It's yeah, going to be scrappy. Be it's going to be proper. So as did, when the McGregor and the um, Mayweather fight, the first time I heard it, I was like, McGregor should have him if it's a UFC fight. I didn't think it was going to be mm. boxing straight away when I first heard it. And if it was UFC, I reckon Mayweather would of have course. got absolutely yeah. demolished. But um, in boxing, obviously, it's completely um, different. Mayweather's too smart. He wouldn't have gone into the Pentagon like that. Yeah. yeah. Nah, not into a UFC fight. Yeah. He's a boxer. <coughs> well, that's the... Well, I guess you can say the sports... What about this the Ronaldo thing, though? Our tech guy mentioned it, and I thought maybe we'll just quickly mention that. Uh, the Ronaldo's son, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo Jr., has been signed for um, Onessa's under-13s. Um, under-15s. And the 15s. The article I'm saying is under 13s. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One I'm saying talk is sport. under 15. Yeah, talk sport saying under 13s. But um, well, either way, um, there's actually what he said. That this is interesting. This is the point I wanted to um, mention. Um, that Ronaldo said that his son says, wait a few years, I want to play with you. And that's never happened in football before. Not that father we know and son. Of father and son. And given the way that Ronaldo's been playing, it doesn't seem like he wants to stop. Uh, he's playing for the in- international team right now. He's scoring goals as well for the international team yeah. right now. Whether he plays in the Euros next year or not. Um, that would be interesting. It would be interesting. And do you reckon... Uh, we know that kids as young as 15, 16 can play, start playing professionally for the, for the uh, that, adult that team. Is a, <coughs> that, that's a big... Uh, I mean, I remember... There's a charity game once where Beckham and his, his son, his son yeah. played. Oh, together. Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe and his father Mbappe played in a uh, oh, did match they? recently. Eden Hazard uh, assisted Kylian Mbappe's father to score a goal. No. I think it's one that. of those things that with with the league that he's playing in, because it's not as intense in terms of like physically, and maybe the level's not, the demand is not as much as it would be in the Premier League or in La Liga or Champions League. Like, you know, th- he's not having those type of that pressure on him yeah. Um, so maybe he can coast through the season without kind of putting too much pressure on his body mm. uh, who's that Ronaldo Ronaldo, no, Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Okay, so where he can play another few yeah, more yeah. years do you think and he's going to catch up to him eventually mm, yeah it will but I, I think the lifestyle that he lives is so clean so clean and yeah. he's so devoted and dedicated like kind of, disciplined yeah, dedicated, that he, yeah. he can go it's up to him yeah um, so and if the only real competitive football that he's playing is 
international, then I think he'll go on for as but long I as I think that the Saudi league is becoming more um, uh, thingy, competitive. Look at all the players that have come in. Money's in his team. We've got so many serious players. Yeah. Neymar, I don't think wasn't. Neymar's injured now. Yeah, he's injured now. So the thing and is, also no, but I think with that league, leave, but at the moment, I feel that league has potential to be a great league to, to draw more players to make it more yeah. competitive. But at the moment, it's drawing players because of, of money. So when you're going there, you're not concerned about winning that league. Like I don't. I've never heard someone say, yeah, I've moved there because I really want to win that league. You're moving there because you're getting ridiculous amount of money. The lifestyle there is probably, and the weather and all of that, kind of living circumstances are probably a lot better than where they are here. Mm. So it doesn't make the league any more competitive. It makes it a bit more appealing. No, it's definitely not more competitive. No, no, no. But I'm saying it's becoming more competitive considering the amount of like high-profile players that are moving from here to, to there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I still feel if Ronaldo wants to... I think to you can quickly mention that. Story. Just, yeah, I know we're trying to get over sports, but I just wanted to quickly make a mention of this, that uh, the FIFA World Cup 2026 uh, Asian qualifiers. So Pakistan won its first ever match uh, against Cambodia, beat them 1-0 in, um, in, in, in Islamabad, and then they'll move on to uh, playing Saudi Arabia next. It's a qualifying match. Yeah, just a qualifying match. It's the first time that, that team's ever won a match. So, yeah. So, <coughs> so you know, Pakistan, well if they win today. one more game, they can potentially be in the World Cup. <laughs> I don't think so. It's just one more game. <laughs> what, channel, what channel is that even? I, I, I have, no, watch that I team have play, no idea, but I wanted to Probably try and find... Probably not a live show. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to try and find the goal. Pakistan, um, is that's one of them teams that probably the YouTube highlights aren't even made for that. <laughs> I remember the last time I saw an advert for a Pakistan match it was like some lower league English team playing against the Pakistan national team I think it was, I can't remember what the team, I think it was like Woking FC or something playing against um, England and sorry Pakistan that's the last time I heard them playing football but yeah. still quite a thing yeah that's uh, a big yeah. thing it's a big occasion thing. for the them progress, first yeah. time they've, they've, they've won a game so yeah so well done to them alright let's move on to a, another new story um, yeah I just thought I'd mention um uh, Storm Battle. Uh, it's uh, Babbit, sorry, <laughs> Babble. Um, yeah, no. So quite interesting. I don't remember, or I don't. I haven't. I don't know if you guys would think, but when the last time a red, wa- uh, red warning alert was. Um, Wasn't that recently with the with the heat wave though? Was that was that red one? I would have uh, thought so. Like so given how hot. Yeah, it. yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. So I mean, the Met Office says that uh, when there's a red warning, it's basically uh, it's for reserve for very dangerous weather with a high level of certainty. So they're saying you should de- take direct action to keep yourself and others safe <coughs> from impacts of the weather, and it's likely that there will be a risk to life as well as substantial disruption to travel and infrastructure. So it's quite a serious um, serious warning, and, and I know what area people is that has that is. Uh, from where I've read where people have died it's been around Scotland I believe uh, yeah. the, more the north part um, but what's the Sky News report say what they've said is that the Met Office extended its red alert warning um, danger to life from fast flowing or deep flood water and I know one person was actually um, drowned uh, in, mm-hmm. with, with the flash flood so really? it's been really really serious yeah um, Apologies, not it's not just in Scotland, but I think it's more around. It hasn't really hit the south. I don't think so as much. Yeah, uh, but I mean, north. we've still seen not not the greatest weather here, but yeah. a lot worse with other people. This who've is typical been told. weather, really. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> guess. I guess so, yeah, weather. That's it. But some people have been told that they have have had to leave their homes, and it's uh, likely that they won't be able to return until after Christmas. Wow. So it shows the severity of the. Yeah. Of I mean, this, the weather's been this. so up and down this year. 
that only up until like two weeks ago the weather was quite pleasant here actually yeah I thought maybe the it way was, it flipped yeah. was like overnight wasn't overnight, it yeah. Yeah. I came across this new story which I want to present is of a former teacher helping children to read at the age of 91 and the reason this caught my eye is because this 91 year old former teacher uh, is helping children develop their literacy skills from her living room and she says it gives kind of it's a privilege and a gift because it gives her purpose and if you look into it it's basically a charity the bookmark reading charity um, it matches trained volunteers with primary school children who struggle with reading and I think this 91 year old lady <coughs> offered her services and after doing so um, she found great in fact her exact words are so when I considered signing up to the charity I thought well I've done it three times before I wonder whether I could do it again and the three people that she taught was her younger sister as well as her own daughter and son so that's just on that basis, she's like, I've taught with my children to read, maybe I can help out. And she did it. And the reason it caught my eye is because when she said that by doing so, it's giving me purpose. And that's very interesting. Um, and I think uh, as Muslims, we understand that we have a purpose in life as well. And I think it's when you lose sight of that purpose, sometimes you can get very lost. And um, regardless the age, we're always kind of, we're always students of life in terms of we always learn. Um, and I don't know what you guys feel I feel like if in any field of life if you have a purpose and goal it's a lot easier to find some sort of happiness whereas if you don't uh, and I know we're going to touch upon this in the second hour as well in terms of living life and enjoying life but this one story um, it caught my eye because even at that age at the age of 91 she felt that she had purpose and you know normally when when you hear stories of people who are passing the age of 80 um, you don't really hear that much positive news or they're inspired to do something or they're doing something where mm -hmm. you know you really have to make an effort even with your parents grandparents to keep them upbeat so it's a very pleasant story to read I know I it's, not, it's normally the other way around isn't it uh, it's more you, you'd expect young people doing it for, for the older generation um, but yeah now in this story I think it's the older generation for the younger and it's interesting you met reading because it's so important. We, I don't know if you guys have been, I think Shams, you've been through this, and Asman and Mo, you'll eventually go through this as well, but uh, I'm looking at uh, schools yeah. for my son, who'll be starting next September, and um, the first school we visited, the head teacher could not stop talking about the importance of reading to your children, mm. and, and the importance of that, and the impact it has on their lives. So for, for this woman to do this is just, you know, it's amazing. I think it's incredible that she actually has the motivation to, to do, you know, do something because you do uh, you feel that people as you mentioned are past the age of 80 like just want to sit back relax don't want to really, don't want to mm. don't want to do much but to pick up like you know books and to feel like okay I want to get going again at 91 but this is the thing like you know when you find a purpose so for example <clears throat> I bring this back to our purpose because we're the voice of Islam radio station once you find for example we understand that our purpose is to build a connection with our creator yeah. that's our purpose here yeah? yeah. to build a living connection with our creator because we believe our God is a living God one who speaks now as he spoke before to do that it's, it's very easily said but you don't understand the struggles that you have to go through mm -hmm. by understanding that kind of doesn't matter what the world's saying doesn't matter what social media is saying this is right and this is wrong according to the book that we believe in the Holy Quran so you've got to stay on this path yeah 
In fact, the 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 perfect example I can think about this is the Holy Prophet, <clears throat> may peace be on him, when he mentioned about righteousness. Someone asked him, "What's righteousness?" And he said, "Well, righteousness is as imagine you're walking on a very narrow path. You've got very clean, prestige clothing on, uh, and on this path on either end, there's like bushes with thorns on them, and you need to make sure that your clothes are in the same new condition when you first enter the um, <coughs> this path. this path to when you leave it." Mm. So you got to tread so carefully on this path, make sure your clothes don't get damaged. And that's basically the walk of life. In terms of you got to live this life and make sure that all these distractions that are kind of bringing themselves up, you're not distracted by them. You keep your kind of purpose in front of you, which is to observe the rights of God and observe the rights of um, God's creation. I won't go into it too much because I know that our second hour we're going to talk about this stuff as well. But that that's for me, it was very like when I read that story, it was like, wow, if at the age of 91, someone's kind of found a purpose of doing something, and she's obviously at 91, I'm not, it's not going to be easy for her. Like, she probably has her own struggles and difficulties. Like, for us, I can only relate it to myself. I'm 33, whatever difficulties we have. But if my purpose is to have a living connection with God, then no matter what happens in the world, I need to make sure I struggle and strive to do that. Because if I do that and I realize that, okay, I've found my purpose, then you truly enjoy life as well. Do you know what also some inspiring that, um, you know, at that age, um, I've, I've read before briefly and I won't give any sort of uh, scientific official <coughs> take on it, but, you know, I've read that it, you know, being sort of cognitively active yep. in, in that age uh, helps with illnesses and things such as Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, so it's inspiring that, you know that that she's uh, making sort of that effort to do that in terms of what you said about sort of finding that meaning yeah again i think covid for a lot of people highlighted that yeah you know where we just all living in this sort of zombie rat race nine to five make your money month to month live like that and i think for that it, you know covid came and it was a bit of a break in your normal life and, and I think a lot of people did start to recognise actually I want to do more with my life I want to do something different I want to do something that I can look back at and be proud of um, and I think yeah sometimes you just need you need that kickstart and I think Covid was that for a lot of people because the normal life yeah it, it, it just passes by doesn't it like we we all look back and the age we are and that we are now we're like where did our youth go Honestly, like where yeah. did our childhood go and like life will literally pass you by so quickly so i think it's very important particularly for your sort of mental well-being that you find something it doesn't have to be your full-time job but you do something which does give you that you know um meaning in life and as you said for us as muslims it's it's it's, it's striving to reach um, your creator you know similarly that was a great speech by the way sorry but, I'm done <laughs> no but um, something I've been thinking about for the last few years is um, we uh, we have a retirement age here in, in the UK yeah I'm guessing most places around the world as well but generally in our community in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community we don't have a retirement age we work until we can't work anymore and I think that is something that is quite yeah, uh, beautiful. That, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think it's beautiful because I don't know if I ever want to stop working. Like, mm. I want to stop. I, I want. I want to do something that I enjoy doing for the rest of my life. 
And yeah. um, when we hear retirement, it's like, oh yeah, they they stop working now, they can just sit back and relax. But then, as we both mentioned, I think you mentioned as well, like cognitively, that's not going to be great for you. You need to have you, some. You know what? I think the biggest trial is in this particular example that we've given is that often I've seen, <clears throat> you know, this kind of thought process of, oh, when I get older, I'll just do it. Yeah. Mm. That is so dangerous because I think when it comes to like, for example, worshiping or fulfilling the rights of God we sometimes think by looking at examples of like our parents, grandparents or other elderly members in our community who we look at as wise people who we get advice from or very spiritual that you know what when I get to that age I'll yeah. do it yeah. and we don't realise that actually if we do it now in our youth that the reward is so much more and you enjoy it so much more mm. and we shouldn't do it at a time where it's like out of you know our last hour now is we've entered our last hour so I might as well pray yeah. because that prayer won't be the same as it will be if you realise in your youth right now that actually this is my purpose and I need to fulfil it. You know, there are, are also like sort of people who reach the age of sort of 70 or whatever, not like, you know, crazy old, but they will openly say as well like mm. that since retiring, they feel like they're picking up illnesses They they because you're not engaged, are you? So, mm. you yeah, whilst um, I suppose the country or the laws have put that age in there as, as as an age and after that you just sit back and do nothing it, it's, it's not that and it shouldn't ever be that you should always sort of strive to do something yeah absolutely well here's another story I'll put in front of you this first one was of a lady of 91 this next story is of a young girl Seren Price who's five years old who's set to climb the highest peak of North Africa S- sorry so say that again seven years old five years old oh. she's five years old and she uh, she's set to climb the highest peak of North Africa um, she is a five year old girl who's aiming to reach new heights um, she became the youngest literally. person <laughs> literally she, she, she became the youngest <laughs> person to complete the UK's three peaks challenge under 48 hours last year um, she, the Shams whole is having p- post tra- traumatic <laughs> PTSD, <laughs> PTSD yeah. from, from, one peak. I, from Ben Nevis from one peak <laughs> I, yeah. I remember I struggled and um I think these guys went ahead of me and I think Shweb told uh, some kids that were on their way down. <laughs> Where was it that you went? Ben Nevis. Ben Nevis. Ben Nevis. So it was last December actually, um, at the age of Don't five, tell me she, she and her father, who was a mountain leader, walked up Ben Nevis, uh, also known as Snowdon, I believe. No, that's, no, no, Snowdon's, that's, uh, that's the other peak in Wales. That's another peak. Oh, this yeah. one, it says she yeah. walked up Ben Nevis as well. But okay. anyway, the purpose behind this, the whole kind of um, inspiration behind this is that when she was born, she was born uh, with some complication uh, mm-hmm. and the hospital really kind of um, went out of their way to uh, treat her and to kind of pay back they've raising funds to do that and I think That's her amazing. aim her aim was at the beginning to raise a hundred pound uh, yeah. but instead she's now received excess of seven thousand pound wow. um, and that's why and there's been some like they say that there's some they've done it in severe conditions as well like temperatures low as minus 18 degrees in oh December God. Yeah. so it's very um in fact, just giving um, have short li- shortlisted her to a re- an award, um, which hopefully maybe she gets. But it's really inspirational. Like I said, it's two stories of people on different like experiences, different times of their life. One who's yeah. ninety-one, one who's five, but <clears throat> both very inspiring. And again, and it's um, very motivational the to know. The challenge of that doing mm. this. I mean, when we when we went, we went in June, was mm. it? And I'm down. So when we were sort of on the ground level quite low up it was about what quite warm I think just under 30 degrees it must have been around that time it was nice it, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was really hot but then when we got to the top it was still really warm but there was snow 
at the top. So it just goes to show if you're doing that in the winter at those temperatures, like climbing up those peaks would be yeah. extremely difficult. So yeah, did, everyone, did everyone, everyone finish it as well? Yeah, just we did. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we so we decided to go. We, we agreed before that. Look, you know, it can be dangerous. Let's all stick together. Uh, one member of our group, unfortunately. I don't know if he wasn't there for that meeting. <laughs> decided to go ahead and went up, went up, got to the mountain as quick as possible. Didn't get the memo. And then he didn't get the memo, and then ended up waiting there for about seven hours for the rest of us to join. And then when I finally got up there, I was looking for him, and he was lying down somewhere on some rocks, just waiting for us. Wow. Um, to, be, to be fair, look, looking back, we should have, should have, we should have done it for some sort of charity. Yeah, um, I think, I think going back, all yeah. the people climb hikes every day, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. Still, it's just another excuse to raise it because just listening to that, yeah, you can't. Well, she's five years old, yeah. No sympathy for him, basically. <laughs> saying that no one will give him any money to do anything, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you expect like, to do it, you don't expect <laughs> a five year, five year old girl to do it. That's why they yeah. probably give her money. <laughs> there were people there who were climbing sort of the three peaks within, yeah. so was it a 24 hour period? 24 hours. 40, yeah, 24 no, 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 there were people doing it within 24 oh, wow. hours. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, wow. it's there was a group of kids, 10 year olds, they were doing it within 72 hours, Wow. or it was 48 hours, I think. Hmm. Remember there was a group of uh, yeah. 10 year old kids and then one of them actually laughed saying, I'm 10 years old. Oh, that's the one I told them. Yeah. I stopped them. I said, go over there and tell them how old you are. and how Because they were just chatting. And it's pretty amazing how fit they are at such a young age because they were going up and down like it was nothing. And even for me, it got a bit challenging towards the end when it got really rocky. It got really challenging. It was the heat for me that was like... Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a really nice waterfall there though. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that was God. amazing. That waterfall, yeah, it was actually really nice. Yeah, Fresh no, water. That was amazing. Um, but I know, uh, I, I think we've... This has been in the news for a while, but it seems to be coming back. So junior doctors, uh, junior and specialist doctors are in England are ho- uh, set to hold strike talks with the government again. So I know this is something that we've heard about in a while. We've had months of strikes from all areas. We've had train strikes, doctor strikes, uh, all sorts. So, um, But it looks to be ongoing and there's potential that there might be more strikes in November. Uh, this is mainly over pay. And what's um, interesting is that the government have apparently said that uh, pay would not be on the table at any talks. So it almost seems a bit so futile. What else can be on the I, table? I know. Then? I don't understand what else Working they're conditions about. or... Um, but I mean, it just, I think, yeah, we've, you know, it's, it's the impact of this has reverberated all, like, so significantly where people have had, I, I can't remember the, the figure, but there were people who had been, had appointments changed so many times, I think over 10 times their treatment yeah. being delayed um, for, for, for things like this. And I, and, I, and I remember a few days ago, was it uh, a few weeks ago, sorry, there was a three-day strike and they said that they will only do, an, an only essential and emergency services will be available. So similar to what it would be on Boxing Day and Christmas Day. That's how, um, you know, how few doctors were, were going to be around on these strikes so it's just um, what what is the solution here I know we've had a huge cost of living crisis um, you know doctors go through a lot of um, expenditure, expenditure to, to, to get educated get their qualifications to become doctors leave their you know education institutes with I don't know how much debt and then coming into a workforce where they, they're struggling to even keep up with how they're living, let alone repay their existing debt, and then and then you know, so people don't actually stay. And I know, I can't remember where I heard this, but they were saying that a lot of people get qualified, trained up, and then they will end up going to another country. I was going to say the amount of doctors that will probably consider that now because it's just, the, is there really the value to stay here? At? So, 
a junior doctor level. And to combat that, I remember there was an idea thrown that said that why don't we do this that if they've done a certain uh, uh, number of years in the UK or with the NHS, they'll wipe their debt or something it's like clear that pay off their debt but I think it was maybe 10 years of service 20 years or something like that in in a bid to try to keep them um, maybe something like that would work but yeah so let's hope that they do find a solution to um, to these talks and, and, and can come to some sort of agreement so to avoid any more strikes I wonder, if, <coughs> I wonder if it will impact people actually wanting to go into that profession like you know growing up you're yeah like doctor is such I, like everyone says I want my son or daughter to be a doctor I just don't think that's the case then what I don't I haven't heard that from a while I don't know people who I know people who somehow you know have the uh, uh, you know the motivation to go into that field but there's just now that the realities of what that profession entails has come out I think people are quite discouraged but do you think people used to do it for money though yeah that's what I was going to say I feel like if you're going to like dedicate seven years before you actually even start working as a junior doctor I don't think that being a thingy, I don't think that you'd be put off by salary. Or not so much anyway. I, maybe today's day and age is different given how materialistic the world is, but I would have thought that the primary reason and motivation and the reason... Well, I, I don't know now, because yeah, you, if you know you're going you're gonna to go into this career and you want to do it to help people, but then you're going to struggle, of course, it, it would, especially in today's society, it would make you think yeah. twice, like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah. I would love to be able to serve. I'd love to be a doctor and, and, and you know, help be... People. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to really struggle, then I think people would start thinking twice. I mean, but the thing is... But they're is, forced to. That's not because they're materialistic. I think they're probably forced to think twice now. No, no, because... Because I living conditions are so difficult. No, because I think... I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, thing, it might be difficult, but like, we hear of nurses going on food stamps. We don't. I have. I have not yet heard of like doctors or like um, junior doctors struggling so much that they need to go to like food food banks and um, struggle that much. I, obviously, I'm not saying that they're not struggling or they're not um, having their own financial issues. They they must be, but uh, the potentials that doctors can go on to earn is incredible. I think they're yeah. the second or third highest earning in the UK. So, I mean, yes, you might have to struggle for uh, like a, a period of some years, but the potential that you can go on to from, if we're talking just purely financially, is, is incredible. So yeah. if, it, if it is a money factor, then, you know, they, they should see the, the, end, like the long-term financial benefit that they could, they'd be in. So well, that's but, but for those doctors that, again, we're getting into a debate and there's no doctors here, but <laughs> for those doctors that don't want to specialise, yeah. you know, it's a struggle. And I don't think that, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, I know you, you said it, the, the benchmark shouldn't be attending a food bank. Like, that is below poverty. Yeah. Like, to not be able to feed yourself and have to, like, go to, you know, but there are plenty of people who are just about making ends meet at home. They don't need to go to a food bank, but they're struggling, you know, the the effect that's happen- having on sort of, you know, their mental health at the same time is, yeah. is, is and, it, and actually huge. remember guys this, these strikes haven't just been isolated to the, doc, to the doctor's profession yeah it's um, not we've seen in other train drivers I know it's yeah. a big one as well so but can you imagine going into work and you're, you're, you're having to treat patients and so it's maybe somewhat sort of mentally challenging in that sense or well, emotionally at least challenging because you're constantly you know people seeing people in pain and in trouble and you're always you're, you're constantly trying and then you go home and you still don't find that peace you, 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 peace because you're you're also then struggling so yeah so, i don't know I, i've always felt that the structure the infrastructure within this country this is a very sort of easy throwaway remark because there's a lot that needs to go into it to actually analyze but the fact that you know bankers 
and footballers and sports people can earn so much yet for me at least those that are most vital in our society like teachers like um earn some of the lowest doctors yeah. um nurses of course these people are not they it should be the other way around but i know how the world works and you know it's financially driven i get it but they should at least be something where you know it's true it's, it's a respectable if, if, amount if, if, if we got to the stage where there's an emergency in this world the last thing we need is oh my god i need a banker. a banker yeah oh my god i need you a footballer investing my know. legs cut off yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's funny but it's you're true gonna, isn't you're it? gonna come that when if like, if we were to look at society from the start again the first things you need are those people you yeah. need educators you need doctors yeah. right? sorry let me just make this isn't to sort of berate those professions you know of they're great professions not. and people have worked worked very very hard to get get to that level i completely but i really agree that. with your point about but when we're looking at it from a societal point of even morality to some degree i think for me yeah. comes into it is that these are the people saving lives they well, deserve let's, let's put it to argument's sake with the way that the world's going now it's not a secret that the whole world is saying that World War Three could potentially living, yeah. uh, begin. If that does happen, you're right. It's like if you're living in a society where that's affected by some sort of bombing or whatever, then all like money goes out the window. Exactly. It's just like survival. And for survival, then it really shows you who's valued in society. Yeah. Because people that can give back and help bring society to somewhat normality mm. will be those who will be the most kind of valued and appreciated. Yeah, so it's not going to be like... Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be like uh, YouTubers yeah, yeah, who yeah. are like, you know, or people who are working in industries where just popularity is yeah. like, earns yeah. them the most money. You know, just given on this, this NHS thing, yeah. I don't know if you want to mention something quickly. Oh, I was just going to mention a quickly Islamic yeah, point, but... Yeah, go on, no, that's fine, go on. Uh, the Islamic point I was going to mention is that this is why in, in Islam, when we when we pray every day and we, we recite the prayer that, oh Lord, also provide us materially in this world mm. provide us the you know the goodness of this world like the understanding behind that is that provide us the goodness which can uh, allow us to become closer to you mm. now these other sort of careers which are not sort of from the medical careers for example which we're comparing it to yeah fine they're good but actually in a medical career you're still you're serving humans and yeah. you're fulfilling yeah. a huge responsibility that god has put onto mankind as a whole yeah. but you're actually doing that as part of your material um yeah, a, a, you know, material life, yeah. strive as well and so I, I do yeah it, it's just such a shame that we see with a, I mean people do obviously recognise it but we yeah. just see that imbalance mm. you know just on this NHS thing yeah, I saw this post the other day on social media which was a hospital bill in America guess mm. how much it was in America yeah uh, privatised there so it must be crazy yeah, I, 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 what I, was it for what it, the treatment it didn't, it didn't mention oh it didn't mention what the treatment was. Was. no but just imagine yeah. um, how much it was 300,000 Higher. Wow. It's like 580 something thousand. For a medical bill? Yeah, it was a medical bill. And I remember one of the, because um, obviously the bill was all itemized in like what uh, specific service you had. And one of them was an ultrasound scan for 130 something thousand wow. dollars. And we think about like, every it just makes me appreciate the NHS yeah. so much. Like we complain about NHS. I know people like kick and scream and cry about like how slow the NHS might be. But if we just think, for a second, one hospital bill was half a million. So I just made it just made me Google this quickly. Yeah, and there's a there was a hospital bill in uh, during uh, coronavirus where a coronavirus coronavirus survivor came out with a 1.1 million dollar bill in America. Okay. It was a 181 page itemized bill, 
and literally every small thing has been billed for every small thing and, and we're not going to go into details of it but it just makes you appreciate like uh you know how, how much especially now with what you're saying right if we yeah. go into like a crisis yeah like some sort of war sort of ends up on our shores as well yeah you know it, it's the health sector that we'll be running to right yeah yep. um the ambulance the nurses the doctors that's where we'll be like please and ev- you know we're we're so we're blessed in the sense that you know we do have the nhs and it is free but i do think like you know the i completely accept the the strikes i completely understand yeah. where they're coming from Just yeah it causes <coughs> momentary disruption and i think a lot of doctors will probably say no how are you saying that it can you know, it affects lives, and I, I completely get that. I'm just talking from the other aspect that they do deserve, um, better, yeah, better, better conditions. Better, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. W- what do you guys think of? Um, so, I'd, I'd, obviously, the NHS isn't where it should be to serve, you know, the UK's needs. Um, but what do you think of private healthcare? I know a lot of us, you know, people I get this to do work or people pay for it privately. I don't, I, to be fair, I don't know enough about it, but it f- does feel like the NHS is somewhat going towards that privatize, private, pri- privatization, isn't it? Um, because it seems to be failing now, um, so maybe the only way that it can happen is 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 through. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's obviously unfair um, because it then obviously creates a real divide in society. Mm-hmm. Because then those who are rich really take advantage, and I think yeah, that's there was there was something morally sort of wasn't Rishi Sunak a few years ago because he had a private GP, and there was a whole debate kicked off whether oh, uh, yeah. why um, politicians have private GPs. Um, there was something yeah, about yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah, there yeah. Um, I mean we see it in pockets in this country right because yeah. if you're in a half decent job or nowadays most jobs I think they uh, attach that as a benefit um, that you get private health care so yeah. uh, and you do see the benefits of it we've all probably used it you know I, I had an operation I was company I was working for they they, they paid for um, the operation and it, and it was a much better service I waited on the NHS I think for over a year um and then well, I think I got this new job, and I and, and they were offering, and then I went and anyway, it was much better. It was much quicker. Uh, you know, everything was streamlined. But then it does beg the question that what about those pos- people who are not in that position? It's, it, it is unfair. A hundred percent agree. And it, it, the the difference is is insane because I know I had to get an um, an MRI scan for a foot, and uh, I was told I said okay, cool. I thought okay, it'll be a few weeks before they contact me to book an appointment. Uh, so. I had seen the, this doc the consultant in the morning. Uh, then on my way to back to the office, I got a call and they said, oh, can we, do you want to come in about an hour for your MRI? And I was shocked. Yeah. I, just, I couldn't believe how quick, because yeah. I know if it was in the NHS, that that's crazy. weeks you'd have to wait. But on the day that the, the consultant just reached out to them and they called me about an hour later saying, come in in the next hour. For an MRI scan for an MRI scan. Well. You know, you know, I know people that have had to wait months for exactly. an MRI. Um, it's just, yeah, so the difference is unbelievable. Um, better feel, I bet it was something small as well. Uh, no, that's <laughs> a problem. My foot it was actually impacting me walking. Actually, I had some really painful thing in my foot here. Um, but yeah, no. Um, uh, I've heard people say, "Oh, they want to try and make this system like America," because you know, yeah. America. I think majority of it is private healthcare. So normally, all your work, your job, comes with private health insurance. Yeah. So everything's kind of covered for that way. Do you know what I, what I think it comes down to? I think it, well, we know the NHS is underfunded, but it, I think it just comes to a lack of appreciation of what the NHS actually do. I think that if politicians and the government were to be aware of how much impact they have, 
and the standard of uh, living for them if they were to truly realize it then they would know i mean we've all been in hospitals at times where it's so overcrowded that it's just crazy i mean one time I, when i dislocated my knee i went and i was put in a waiting room which is all the way down the corridor this is in our local hospital over here i don't know if i can mention it <coughs> but um yeah i was put in a, in a waiting room so far away when it came to my turn i was like why was in th- why was i in this waiting room they were like there's absolutely no single there's no space in the hospital whatsoever and then i remember i mentioned this before on the show but i'll mention it now again that uh, they have policies where <clears throat> if there's absolutely not a single bed available in the whole hospital every hospital has a team where they'll go around and see okay who needs the bed the least because if an emergency comes and they don't have a bed there's no bed available there's a team that will actually go and see okay who doesn't need to be here you got you got to go basically and if you have to be there this is what this is what gets crazier if you have to be there and the team can't decide who needs to leave and everyone actually has to have a bed. Yeah, it's a sad situation. They, they, what, then, what they end up doing is they have to d- then transfer the patient to another hospital. That other hospital, because they, they're a part of a different trust, they will charge the other hospital for bringing that patient over. Yeah. That's what I just find incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, but <clears throat> it's... it's inter- you know what was also an interesting uh, debate with regards to this is that I know we're saying <coughs> there's a lot of pressure on NHS, but from a lifestyle point of view, I wonder how much difference that pressure would be if there was some sort of, um, not restriction, but I say like the biggest pressure on, on hospitals is like alcohol or people who oh, consume alcohol yeah, yeah, and yeah, drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. from a lifestyle point of view, I know we're saying like, oh, doctors are under pressure, but actually if we were to care about the well-being in terms of alcohol consumption, drugs consumption, living a general, healthier, more prohibitable lifestyle, then I feel that pressure and burden will be less. And those people who actually need certain treatments will get that priority rather than people just kind of consuming so much alcohol or drugs. Just abusing It's a lot of yeah. self-affliction, 100%. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of self-affliction. And this is the yeah. thing, yeah. because we're, at the end of the day, regardless of what the doctors do, we're the ones that are suffering, whether it's we're putting ourselves through that by living that lifestyle yeah. or actually because of others living that lifestyle, our treatment or basic care is being put on the back stool so it's like as much as we look at doctors and say like yeah whatever they're going to but actually it's a lot of self-reflection there is and you know what it's interesting you've mentioned this alcohol point of view because if you've ever been to an A&E department over a weekend um, you'll see that there's a lot of people that are drunk you will also see not just the NHS but also the police because I've seen times where there have been police escorting someone to bring them to an A&E department. So they've obviously been arrested or something like this. And, and so that you've not just wasted, that's, you know, we've, we're already having issues with crime. So now you're taking two police away to sit with someone in, in the emergency room for mm. what, five, six hours, eight hours to sit with them and then take them back to, the, to, to a cell yeah. station, you know, yeah. just I mean, waste of resources. I have the stats here, but I'm so certain that there's a huge argument to be made about the amount of resources being used because of issues like drugs, yeah. alcohol, yeah, yeah. Um, like this, the public se- sector is probably a slave uh, imprisoned in to it to some degree. Because, as he said, if you have ever been in on a Friday or a Saturday night, I mean, you know, it feels anyway from bystanders that a large proportion of those are because of sort of that culture. This of is, alcohol and this is abuse the thing. Like, uh, we spoke alcohol. about this last time, remember about the whole ULES 
um, kind of the wisdom behind ULEZ and if you look at it from Sadiq Khan's point of view, trying to make it a cleaner air for us to live in and breathe and it's the same, I feel like it's the same thing. Like if you want that lifestyle, if you want a cleaner lifestyle, it has to be across the board. Yeah. Like it can't just be, okay, we're putting a ban on diesel cars so that we can breathe cleaner air. Yeah. You need to put a ban on all these things. And I remember Rishi Sunak mentioned right? he's mentioned about cigarettes, mm. which when I heard, I was like, "Oh, that's a great initiative." Mm. He's basically proposing that every year the age restriction for who can buy cigarettes is going to go up a year. Mm. That meaning that someone that's fourteen now will never be able to buy cigarettes. Like he, he's, it will be. So that's 40? 14. Oh, 14. So you should got, be able to buy 14. Though. No, um, what he's saying they'll never be able to buy it because incrementally, oh, as they get older, oh, it will yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the kind of policy that he's putting in place. But it's, it's, yeah. as much as people who smoke probably think, yeah, th- that's my kind of go-to. Mm, yeah. I just need some time to myself. But again, you have to look at the wider picture. Yeah. That if certain, if you're, if the government's making rules about you less cars, because we're not, we don't want to breathe in dirty air, essentially, mm. Then it's the same for cigarettes and this drug abuse and alcohol abuse. If you really want to make a difference in society, you have to look at these. Start from the ground. Isn't it? Yeah. Start, start and this, this is where, again, people might be listening holiday. to this thinking these are just Muslims because they don't drink. But the reality is that's the wisdom behind all of these things. Yeah. Something that has more harm than good, not just for you, but for greater society, yeah. is prohibited. And yeah. that's why these things, yeah. we, I feel anyway, if there was a lot of self-reflection, these things will make a huge difference in society. Yeah. Just a point on that, yeah. Um, when you mentioned the impact it has, on, we've all mentioned the impact it has on society and the cost that it ha- actually has on the NHS. Um, I, I quickly just googled it because I remember I remember the figure of like hundred something million in my head, and I googled it. And the, the UK, UK, yeah. So UK uh, Parliament released um, like what did they release like a, a pamphlet or a book when they do their research, and they said that the upward trend in alcohol related death and hospital admissions accelerated during the pandemic. The cost uh, the costs of this to drinkers, their families, and society are significant. Alcohol cost the NHS an estimated actually. Let me ask you lot to guess. So about three billion. What a year? Nearly, yeah, three point five billion mm. a year, a year, three point five billion a year, and um, costs an estimated twenty one billion per year to society. Yeah, you know it's, and that's not even taken into account the probably emotional effects it has. Twenty one billion people of losing people to these like alcohol poisoning, alcohol like this, uh, related and issues, and that's purely and just yeah. a, a drink that is so permissible here that people have for fun ends up being an addiction ends up causing liver damage all these other issues which is so avoidable because the, the, so the, the, you know, the counter argument on this is that it's an industry so alcohol is an industry here oh, right? the money so it brings, if you would counteract cetera, yeah. the difference in what it brings into what expense I wonder if they would balance that out see if it makes I, a difference I, I don't think the, I don't but, know, cost of life um, is what, yeah, I don't know worth. if you guys have noticed I know with cigarettes now they have vapes right coming in yeah. um, and so what I've, you've also seen now is actually there's a huge move to non-alcoholic drinks as well now so they've been the same drinks that have alcohol in them. They can now I, are moving yeah. them to non-alcoholic ones. Can I just say something? We had a work quiz the other night, yeah, and um, it was at a bar, like a restaurant bar type thing, and obviously it was free drinks for everyone. I went and said, "Okay, can I have a non-alcoholic drink?" They said, "You have to pay for that." I said, "Sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry, what?" <laughs> they said, "All the alcoholic <laughs> drinks are free. <laughs> the non-alcoholic <laughs> drink, oh, I have to oh, pay for." Oh God. <laughs> 
but no, I think uh, I think more and more places are now catering to this now. There's people not just for religious reasons, but for health reasons, are moving away from alcohol. And um, yeah, but yeah. the thing is, you mentioned vaping and vaping again. It's not. Like, I mean, it's not the solution. No, no. I'll give you an example. So the person that invented vaping. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as a solution. It of wasn't. Not, it wasn't no. to appeal to people who smoke. It was no. trying to get this new audience who don't smoke. To let's get them to something like. But actually, cool what's happened trendy. is people who smoke feel that it's the healthy alternative. <laughs> when actually, it's not the healthy alternative. No one's got a clue what they're putting in their bodies. If um, anything, there's um, there's data coming out saying it's um, it's it's more. It's more dangerous now. How more harmful? Yeah. yeah you know, one guy at my workplace says, "You know the ad- uh, so you know the tubes, the the vape tubes. I don't know how mo- how long they're normally meant to last. Like I don't know if they're all different and different. Yeah. Like, one guy at my workplace was saying that he goes through two of those vapes in a single day, oh which apparently God. is a that lot. Sounds, yeah. So he was just like telling us, "Yeah, it's just pretty." Yeah, he was People pretty get real defensive. I remember I mentioned this argument to someone, a friend of mine. And he was like, yeah, but you don't, you don't know what's in a can of Coke and you drink it. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't know what's exactly in the can, but it's written on the back of the can. At least I can read it. You got, no one can tell me what's in this vape. But we're coming to the end of the first hour of our show. When we come back after the news roundup, we're going to go into our topic, main topic of the show, which is longevity. What is uh, some practices that helps you live a long and healthier life and what does Islam have to say does it go hand in hand with living a long and healthy life or does it contradict it join us after the break we will discuss these matters you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed welcome back to Saturday morning live Um, if you joined us after the break the first hour we were just discussing Different news stories. If you've joined us for the first time today, then welcome. Um, my name is Usman Butt. We've been in the studio Shams Najam, Shweb Zafar, and Mudabbal Khalid. And we are now moving on to our main topic of discussion, which is longevity. We want you to be part of the conversation. We want you to be involved. It is your show, 0208-687-7878. That's 0208-687-7878. Or you can get in touch via our socials at Voice of Islam UK. That is at Voice of Islam UK. I'm going to pass over to Shweb. Shweb, first tell us, introduce this topic. What made you want to discuss this today? So longevity... um Obviously, the, which basically means to try to stretch your life as long as possible, to live as long as you can, in, not just in, uh, you know, living with disease or anything, but to live a healthy life as long as possible. Um, so first of all, I just want to throw this out there. Um, do you guys uh, know what a centenarian is? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Centenarian. I guess it's something to do with living above a hundred, age 100. Exactly. Yep. I don't, I don't know if it's still the case. Do you get a, a, a well, not from the Queen, but do you, would you, you do get from a? The king, yeah, you get a, a, a card from the King, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know when really that tradition started, but yeah, you'd get um, you'd get a uh, card from the from from uh, either the Queen the before monarch. and now and now yeah from the monarch and now mm. from the King to wish you happy birthday on your hundredth birthday. So yeah, a centenarian is someone who's lived a hundred plus. Mm. So. Um, now put that into perspective guys a hundred years is a long time I mean a hundred years ago today we're talking 1923 right so that's before the second world war mm. so and and that is so the second world war 1939 to 1945 so if you were a hundred years ago a hundred years ago uh, today hundred years old you wouldn't have just been around for the second world war but you would have n- known vividly and you would you would have experienced it and you'd be able to really discuss it right 
So that just puts into perspective how long 100 years is. And then there's the case of, okay, if you're 100 years old, are you in a, are you bedridden? Are you in a wheelchair? Are you suffering yeah. a debilitating disease? Are you in the hospital? Are you in a care home? But there's people out there that are still on their feet doing day-to-day things and possibly more active than people our age, right? Um, so, I mean, I, this all came... I, this, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I, um, I don't know if you guys heard of this documentary on, on Netflix. It's called um, Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zone. Um, and I know we've all... <clears throat> I mean, I guess the first things that come to your mind about living a long life, I mean, what, what would you guys... What, what are the first things that you could do, practical steps that you possibly think you could take to linger, live a long and healthy life? I want to say eat healthy, eat okay. and drink healthy. But you know what? I've been okay. Let me not. Let me just everyone answer. Yeah. Okay. So I guess diet, right? Yeah, diet. Yeah, yeah. Diet. Uh, in, in, um, live a happy life, I guess. Stress okay. probably takes so a few I years off your life as well. More of a social thing, yeah. So you're, you're so, uh, I guess just be content. Your social be content. part of your life, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Eat content. All right. Um. Okay, the only other one left, meditation, prayer. Okay, that's an interesting one. I thought some would have said exercise. It <laughs> 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 just, just shows, just shows the way your, that's pro- what where your priorities uh, are, guys. I think that's what normally you would say. <laughs> no one so would we want to pray, food. we want to eat. First thing is food. <laughs> and we want to socialize. <laughs> be happy. We don't, food, sleep. We don't want to exercise, right? Okay. No, no, all, all practical steps. But it's interesting because, um, and Chum's actually a very interesting point, what you've said, because I think... Um, when you immediately think of a long life, you don't think of, um, I guess, even even being happy or being thing. I mean, the first normally, I mean, what I'd expect is the first few practical steps, definitely food and then exercise. And, and I think traditionally these are the things that are are considered to live a long life, right? Um, and what was interesting in this um, documentary is because they've, there's been many documentaries, many research done about how to live a long life, and normally these are the things that come up, but this documentary looked at other things and the reason they say blue zones is this was um, a blue zone is technically a space or an area where there's a high concentrate of centenarians so a lot of people that are living past 100 and and that you know begs the question why is it what are they doing in that particular area that's uh, different to what other places are doing and so he visitors visits a few spots around the world and uh, not just all remote locations there's also a place in america uh, that was considered a blue zone as well so it's areas where you know within our modern societies it's not just a an, an an island in the middle of nowhere who who are doing something different but people who are living among us are somehow you know achieving um these these amazing health benefits so he really breaks down into the document really breaks down into understanding what it is that these people do in everyday life i mean it's things that they probably don't even notice themselves that's causing them to live such a long life so uh i thought we can start off okay we you know discussing around uh the healthy eating the first thing mo mo Mo, uh, Mo pointed out about eating healthy um so i was gonna say to this point uh, did you mention blue zones yeah yeah did you mention the countries in the blue zone no, I've, I've forgotten the countries. I know, I know, Japan was one. Yeah, there's a place in America. Should come to mention them. Greece. Yep, go for it. <clears throat> so the blue zones. Some of the areas identified in the blue zones are uh, Costa Rica, uh, Greece, United States, Loma Linda in California in the yeah. United States, uh, Sardinia in Italy, and Okinawa Prefecture in Japan. So Japan. Which current, the Japan one is apparently currently disputed though. Oh really? That's what it's saying. I mean, yeah. I guess Japan and especially the Mediterranean, 
right? So Greece and um, Italy, Italy, right? So you wouldn't. Uh, I mean, that that doesn't surprise me so much because I think is, it, is it the Mediterranean diet, diet is considered one of the best, best in the world, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I, I don't know if this is it's a good true, segue on to actually diet. Now, <laughs> I think like <laughs> Southeast Asia is one the one that especially Pakistanis. I mean, the food we've been brought up is some some of the worst <laughs> worst for our t- diet. Just um, oil, um, and exactly. some, of the, some of the tastiest food as well. One hundred percent, Indian yeah. food is the best cuisine out there. <laughs> Um, so I mean you know the first thing diet uh, and I guess a really hot topic it's been for a few years now is veganism so I know when we were growing up we heard a lot about being a vegetarian but and I remember when I first heard the concept of vegan and I didn't know what the difference was between a vegan and a vegetarian and I was explaining to a friend of mine a little while ago because he didn't know what a vegan was and I explained to him that's anything um, just nothing to do with animals right so you know vegans wouldn't eat honey because it yeah, comes from a bee anything that comes right? from animal, yeah. so nothing that comes from bees so and I was really shocked I was like how would you sustain this life right how is it possible to sustain um, a life like this um, I, I don't know if there's been vegans you know if veganism has been around long enough for to see what the real uh, in this modern society given the fact of things that we're exposed to in, in uh, from weather from you know the daily food we eat or whatever but is it a practical step Do we, will we get all the nutrients we can and be able to balance a diet um, based on uh, just vegan and we've obviously seen in supermarkets I know mm. as I meant you know in the first part of the hour I said how we're moving to more non-alcoholic drinks now they are non-meat products so there's like yeah, vegan sausages yeah. vegan bacon vegan chicken vegan all sorts right and um, I don't know if any of you tried it but there's a few things that I have tried which have been quite interesting and um, be honest what's the taste like I, 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 do you know what it's hard so you can tell okay it's not meat um, yeah. but there's some things that I, I, I'll still, you know, I'll choose them over normal. Um, over normal. So I don't know if you've ever tried corn sausages. Corn sausages, yeah, right? I love they them. are so they're healthy and they actually are really good. And um, I used. What are to they from though? I've never understood what's so corn from. What corn is, is a. It's, I know it's a substitute of meat, but it's a yeah, type of. A, is it like beans and stuff put together? Let's see. Look, I'm gonna, I'm, corn. Many ingredients of corn are microprotein, a, a naturally sourced meat-free sugar protein that is high in fiber. But it doesn't say what it's no, it It's going to be with from some. I, I know from the start that it was always just a, a substitute of meat. Um, but you know, you're saying what's better. But if you, I don't know if you've ever tried corn mints. So I used to make stuffed peppers um, for lunch, and I um, substituted um, lamb mints or beef mints with corn mints, and I actually found that better, more tasty, and it was a lot, lot healthier, right? No, in terms of health, you had more protein. I think um, I'm not sure about protein intake whether it had more or not but I know it's le- less less fat in there and less salt, salt so I think there's definitely a health benefit to having those but I wouldn't I don't know if it would have been the same case if I had completely substituted all meat for corn uh, it's not something I've, a, a step that I can I've taken or, or could take I don't know given how much meat you used to I don't think exactly you know. <laughs> so that's so that's no, but let me tell you a story about Shoaib though and this is the difference between Shoaib and us here <laughs> we when we come for the show, we like if the show's at ten, we try to get here for nine. And I remember one particular day we got here for nine. It was me, <laughs> you and us. I think we were waking for Shams. And we were like, Oh, we still got an hour. Uh let's get a coffee. And Shay was like, Oh, we got an hour. I'm gonna do some press ups. We started doing press ups in the next room and that was and then like, so we're looking at him thinking, Wow man, like that's but you still that's, had your coffee. <laughs> yeah, we, no, it didn't affect me. <laughs> so we're just, just having a coffee and biscuits. That's the type of right, guy he like, That's why he was like, <laughs> that's why his mama got to exercise and ours would be like, yeah, food. Food will make you happy. 
if, if, I mean, look, all these things, I mean, I, 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 say, but I do look at my parents and I see, okay, you know, my dad, thankfully, he's still really healthy. He, you know, he, we had a, um, uh, our community event for the um, uh, elders of the, of, of our community. Um, they had um, an, an event and uh, my dad uh, competed in shot put and he yeah. always comes first in this really uh, yeah he's six, over 60 years old he's always wow. you know he's done he's, he's always very very competitive from a young age he, you know we were brought up at being competitive um, so diet has a huge huge uh, I, I, I looked at I look at him and think okay you know I would like to maintain this strength at his age but I want to go one step further and you know be even better so I thought okay a practical step I could take was diet so I decided to reduce the amount of meat intake uh, take. Wow. and this actually came from learning more about vegetarianism and also about veganism um, and on the topic of veganism uh, I know the review of religions uh, they did a uh, when uh, one of the members, uh, Zubair, uh, one health, of our yeah. Zubair, he um, visited the um, expo on um, on veganism, and it was it's I think it's all kicked off after the um, that show on Netflix, The Game Changers. Oh, yes, remember, remember this? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So um, let's uh, let's play a clip from um, from this from his experience. Yeah. Patrick, I'll confess something. I actually watched your documentary, the Netflix one, a few months ago, and actually kind of changed a lot of my ideas about veganism. You know, it made me so interested in this topic. And then this expo came as well, and I was really, you know, pumped to come and, and luckily you're here. Growing up, one of the main things in a staple in our diet was meat. We had a lot of meat from chicken, lamb, beef, even fish. But recently, there's been a huge influx of um, plant-based diets. Veganism has grown. We're here at the Plant Powered Expo 2020, one of the biggest vegan expos in the world, to find out more and answer the million-dollar question, should we be going plant-based, and is that the way forward? Let's check it out. Why do you think there's such a big trend in people coming towards veganism or plant-based living? I think because it's, it's, there's, a, there's a move towards ethical living in our generations especially. There's an awakening happening. People realize that we can't continue doing and living how we were living. The way we're treating animals, people are realizing that it's wrong. You know a lot of people say that it's like, I think it's like B12 or iodine or something you can't get from from it if you, if you don't eat meat. What do you think about that? So obviously B12, it's, it's a very common one that's used as like a, a counter argument as they would think. but. 40% of the population is already B12 deficient. It's not a vegan specific problem, it is a universal problem. Sometimes a vegan diet can be missing in certain nutrients, so that's why we wanted to like target our vitamins as quite a niche group, but it's it's not so saying that you need vitamins, it's just saying that like maybe in case. Do you kind of train as a plant-based athlete? So nothing changes whether you're plant-based or whether you're omnivorous, right? The rules to building muscle, to being strong, to athletic performance are all the same. So I'm looking around, there's so many different stalls, over 100 stalls, but there's one right down there which is really interesting. It's actually fake meat. So what it is, is a vegan product packaged as meat. And that's a big thing on the internet right now. They say on the internet that this isn't natural because we're actually born to eat meat. So we're here with Carlos. Um, I can see you're a bodybuilder, a bit bigger yeah. than me. But uh, a little bit, a little bit yeah. <laughs> Why don't you know about your diet? You know, how did you start to become a vegan? Was, was it a change in your lifestyle? How, how did it happen? I started when I was 14 years old because I always liked the idea of vegetarian because I was having friends in Germany who were vegetarians. Yeah. It's 35 years ago now. A lot of people like my friends, they go to the gym, yeah. but they say that you can't get big unless you eat meat, unless you eat chicken, you know, that kind of those kind of products. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, it's very over the protein yeah. idea. Protein is in everything. 
So we just got this uh, vegan burger. First time I'm going to try this. Looks pretty big. There's no meat involved. Um, usually I'm used to getting chicken burgers, lamb burgers. But I'll give it a go. Let's see how it tastes. It's a pretty good burger. I would say like 7 out of 10. And the fact that I'm not vegan myself, they seem to be like um, embracing that and they're respecting me. I haven't been kicked out so far. And obviously I respect them and their beliefs as well. So we were just talking a minute ago about the whole KFC drama that they've kind of brought out the vegan burger, other restaurants as well, um, global chains. Don't you think it's a bit contradictory for them to do that when people like yourself are trying to live the lifestyle, but these guys are jumping on the bandwagon when it feels right for them? Yeah, I think, I think... Um, How do you honestly feel about it? <laughs> I think I try to avoid supporting them to be honest but I think it's more for meat eaters to be like oh maybe I'll try this like vegan burger see how it compares to the chicken burger for example. I think it's really important to understand that these big companies and corporations their main goal is generating revenue um, and now if they're able to do that by being more ethical uh, fine but I think their, their end goal is to generate more revenue and they're seeing there's a market that's being created and therefore they want to they don't want to fall behind so personally how do you, I how do you feel about I don't it? personally I don't really I don't endorse just wanted to know your background I mean what how did you become a vegan you know were you a vegan for a long time mm -hmm. what changed and obviously you're a strong man so mm -hmm. how did that affect your kind of bodybuilding and lifestyle yes yeah, so um, I went vegan eight years more than eight years ago I went vegan in uh, late 2011 yeah. I started uh, training when I was 14 years old um, and then when I became vegetarian I think that was like 12 years into already training mm -hmm. I was convinced at the, that time that you need meat and yeah. you need animal protein to be successful in yeah. strength sports that's what I learned mm -hmm. that's what in you know I was reading all these magazines yeah. and then all these magazines were telling me yeah you had you have to eat fish you have to eat meat yeah. you have to have animal protein plant protein is not gonna make you yeah. strong yeah. but uh, when I became vegetarian I think like six months later I started doing strongman mm. and one reason for that was that uh, despite uh, expecting to uh, you know uh, have my training suffering a little bit mm. my training was great I was wow. thriving for mm. six months and I was getting way stronger than I was before mm. without the meat but people might think is it more expensive how do you kind of manage the expenses of it okay so it really depends on what you eat yeah. if you eat uh, natural you know whole foods like beans and lentils and, and rice and that kind of stuff mm. that's not expensive the community that we're from the main kind of slogan that we have is love for all hatred for none so you shouldn't have hatred for anyone yeah, yeah. Just love everybody yeah, yeah. if someone does a mistake they make a mistake yeah, yeah. but you shouldn't kind of bash them you know yeah, be yeah. militant about it yeah but they also in general is that people negative people in everything um, as you mentioned we should all respect everyone I mean vegans non-vegans I'm not a vegan myself but um, as a Muslim and as a person I should respect them and hopefully get the same respect back yes. um, but in our holy book in the Quran it says that um, eat and drink but don't be immoderate one of the main principles that we live yeah. by is actually to be moderate to yeah. live in moderation yeah. so don't be extreme on one side or the other what do you think about the concept of moderation is that you think that's key in in our lifestyle I, I, I definitely think so, but I think it's it's not just in the West. It's all over the world. We're we're having less empathy, but we need empathy and we need love. And many times I see on the newbies they're very radical, yeah. and everything was radical in everything in religion and cultures. It's not good because you do, you start to don't respect other cultures and other beliefs. So what do you think about the concept of moderation? 
I think it's very in line with um, my my own principle that I try to have every day that I already told you about with yeah. the, uh, trying to be rational. I think religion is actually a very good example. So if you have very strict rules yeah. and then you try to make everyone by force yeah. adhere to these strict rules, it doesn't work. work. It never works. Exactly. If you shout to someone, ah, you are a murderer because you eat, you drink milk. Yeah. He's not a murderer. He doesn't know otherwise. Yeah. The best thing is to, to live and let live. I, I say to people sometimes, we've proved by un, any shadow of a doubt you can't bomb people into loving each other. So let's stop bombing each other and start hugging each other. It would be a good thing. So the fourth caliph of our community actually said that you should go free range for the way that the dairy is produced in this country. And also the slaughterhouses, a lot of them, the way they pack chickens in, the way they pack the meat in and they treat the animals is completely wrong. And in Islam you shouldn't do that. That's completely against Islam in the way that they slaughter the animals. And the concept of halal is actually to treat the animals in an amazing way, in a great way, and to slaughter them without any pain. So what do you think about that concept? Concept that you know the fact that the way we treat the animals, the way we treat the world, is at the moment it's going towards you know a third world war. It's going towards the environment being destroyed. Right? We've seen it in so many different ways. Climate change. So we're here as well as activists, the same way that you're an activist, to actually promote this message that we shouldn't be doing this and we need to stop it. And as Muslims, we're not you know promoting that enough, and we're here to do that. So we want to kind of join with you and not against you, and kind of show people on on YouTube and everywhere that we can coexist and yeah. we can actually help each other. I think um, when it comes to being vegan and um, for me it just means I want to do as little damage as possible, exactly. right? Yes. And it's also about damage to individual animals. Yeah. Sometimes people think that, okay, then this, there's vegan and there's non-vegan and that's the two things that they exist. Yeah. But I think there's a whole spectrum between these two things. Mm. So you can be vegan and that's uh, going to be probably the least damage to, uh, to animals. But then uh, from eating a lot of meat and not caring about where the meat comes from yeah. to eating way less yeah. and caring about where it comes from, maybe even eating just what you raised yourself mm. or what you know comes from, uh, you know, a facility where where the uh, animals yeah, are yeah. at least, you know, treated uh, right. Yeah. Um, there's a whole spectrum and you get, you can get closer and closer to where I stand. Mm. I don't see a fight between these different positions. Exactly. I just welcome everyone who comes closer to my position mm. because I know that's going to reduce the damage. Yeah. And that's all I care about. I don't care about judging other people. Mm. I care about uh, pe people joining and, and uh, living with less damage um, and, and the closer they come basically to yeah. where I stand, the happier I am. Uh, but I, you don't have to judge each other. Yeah. I really don't see that. So after being at the Vegan Expo 2020 for the past two days, um, I found it very insightful and interesting to discuss so many different topics about food um, with this subculture that is growing across the world. But being at the Vegan Expo for two days, I also felt that the campaign they had for sustainability is also a key aspect of my faith as a Muslim. But the moderate angle Islam takes towards diet and food is more holistic in terms of people's daily needs and also more in line with their nature. So we have the concept of tayyib in Islam, and that means good, wholesome, pleasing and harmless food. And that ensures that we do not eat anything that is harmful to our bodies. So for example, a person who's diabetic, and so sugar can be harmful to their body, they should look at their own bodies and their own mind and see which food is nourishing and is good and is pleasing to their own bodies. Tayyib also means that our food should uplift our spirits and uplift our soul and be pleasing to the eye and also taste fresh. 
And then we have the concept of halal, which means that animals are treated in the best way possible. No animal should be tortured or treated with unnecessary harm for financial profit or financial gain. That is happening across the world and that is completely against the teachings of Islam. And then you have the geographical and financial limits that a lot of people have around the world. And in other parts of the world in particular, um, maybe meat is only available to feed a family of six. So Islam caters for all their needs with a broad set of guidelines that anyone, anywhere and at any time can follow and live a healthy life. So taking all of that into account, we should all be looking for ways to increase our health, our happiness, but we should make sure that we're not becoming extreme in the process. The Quranic verse that encapsulates all of this is to eat and drink, but in moderation. So that was Zubair Hayat uh, on his vegan expedition experience. Um, and I guess how we summarized it at the end is a good way where we can continue the conversation of what the Holy Quran and Islam teaches us with regards to diet, obviously it being one of the main factors of living a long and healthy life. Do you know, uh, did you have that verse? Uh, yes, so there were two verses um, mm. that the article mentioned. Um, so from the Quran, uh, one is eat and drink, but do not be immoderate and eat of the good things we have provided for you. Both, I think, really important messages. Um, and, and, and I think as as uh, I think Shams you mentioned faith and, and I guess meditation uh, yeah. as a big factor even, in, in longevity even like with regards to eating I know like what we're eating um, is important as well but it's the etiquette of eating which is very important as well and there's a saying of the Holy Prophet may peace be on him that when you eat you should have one third of your meal should be solid food one third should be water or liquid and then one third you should leave empty Mm-hmm. And that etiquette as well is like of not like stuffing yourself where you're just like, I mean, we've done it on so many occasions. We're all victim of this where we just stuff ourselves and like you just want to go sleep afterwards because you're so exhausted. It's not f- it's not fueled you, rather it's exhausted you. Mm-hmm. That's how much you've eaten. So these practices, even there's another practice of the Holy Prophet where he would state that when you sit down to eat, always just get the food that's in front of you rather than mm-hmm. kind of scavenging through to see what's the best piece of meat that you want or you know, like being selfish in terms of, okay, I want the, what's only want to cater for my needs. I couldn't care less for whoever else is around this table. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. there's certain etiquettes even that Islam promote uh, and teach that help you live a healthier lifestyle. And that's all on the basis of our physical body and our spiritual body. They go hand in hand and you can't nourish one without having an effect, without it having an effect on the other. So that's why Islam really does promote it, it also a healthy lifestyle. It's mentioned about how you know how to chew your food and this is a big thing as well that we should be chewing our food the more we chew our food the healthier healthier it is for us as well yeah I was going to say even in sort of the the praying side which you sort of just touched upon even the the acts the movements within prayer itself uh, whilst they have sort of spiritual understanding to 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 them too you know the bowing down and you know the spiritual feeling of being before God but it is also there's a physical um, benefit to it as well right yeah, absolutely. It's um, the f- actually I remember one of my uh, one of my uncles who's quite actually obese, extremely obese. He um, it got to the stage where he had an operation where they I think they shrink your stomach so you eat less and then they put you on some sort of routine to help you lose weight. And it's very interesting. He told us when he came home from the first op- uh, appointment that the exercises they told me to do 
we're like the same kind of postures that we do when we pray. So he goes, the first told me, the guy told me, okay, try and touch your toes, which obviously when we pray, like we, and down we and bend, knees, yeah. yeah. And then, okay, try and sit down on the floor yeah. and then stand up. So he goes, like, I was at that time thinking, if I just focused on praying five times a day, I'd be doing these things and it would have some element of an effect of yeah. uh, on my joints or yeah. on my kind of breathing and everything. So I think faith is definitely <clears throat> a key point to pick out here. Um, and from more than just one aspect. So we've got one which is telling us about what we spoke about, how we eat and how we nourish our bodies. The two is the spiritual side of us um, uh, and meditation and, and, and what you've just said about, you know, the almost the physical activity we get around from our pr- prayer. Now, if we look at it, so, so health is actually a really, really big factor in this, right? Um, when, if we weren't praying as Muslims right now, you know, we would do everything what we do in the morning. A typical day would consist of us waking up in the morning, having breakfast, nine to five, going to work, coming home, spending a bit of time with the kids and going to sleep. But our routine is broken up by that five times of prayer, right? Praying yeah. five times a day. Now, if you didn't have those, can either of you tell me at what point in your day, in an average day, would you have time to stay quiet, reflect, meditate and just, you know, have some time to yourself where it's just just yourself and and you know not in with Islam it's us and God, but where you know you, you are still completely isolated from the rest of nothing in the world matches at that point, and when else would you have the opportunity? Uh, I'll be honest, if you in my day, I'm just thinking, if I didn't make time for it, I probably wouldn't have time for it. I you have to actively. Yeah. I mean, the only time I'm probably alone is if I'm driving um, somewhere and even that it's not the atmosphere and environment for meditation or prayers no, it's yeah. you you know you're you're either angry at someone else on the road or, <laughs> no, <laughs> or yeah, you're running your, late your, your yeah. concentration is there right it, you're still fixed on a, a worldly a worldly event uh, yeah exactly so but, uh, I think unless you make time it's very difficult to actually have the time yeah it's true and I think this is the the blessing I think we'll probably go into a bit the way prayer has broken out the day like there's a profound sort of wisdom behind that as well isn't it because yeah. in, in the interv- intervals between it and you know it, it takes you away from your worldly pursuit at that point and brings you back to what we at least in Islam believe is sort of the true purpose of your existence it's crazy because especially in the day and age that we live in now like these phones as much as like they're a convenience for us and we can like call anyone and really there's loads of benefits of it but the real negative is that it's always with us and it's always a it will always serve as a distraction and especially when you have time to reflect for example I'll give you a perfect example you mentioned driving yeah. now driving is like when you are driving and you're alone it is a good time to reflect but like like me I'm sure others as well as soon as you sit in the car I connect my phone to the Bluetooth I'm now doing something listening like something, I'm listening yeah, to something yeah. so it's, it takes you it takes you away from that yeah when you're lying down to sleep again that's it's not like you lie down and you go sleep instantly not everyone's blessed like that mm-hmm. you have time to reflect if you really want to but again what, what do most people do take their phones out and they start kind of roaming on online on YouTube or Instagram so like, this distraction I feel has taken us has made it even worse for us in terms of actually making time for ourselves because we're now not only distracted but the things that we're doing is that looking at other people live their lives <laughs> that's what mostly people do so it, it, you're right like it's, that, yeah. it's you have to really honestly take time out and obviously we do it in terms of prayer 
And I remember the, someone asked the Holy Prophet on one occasion, you mentioned why we pray five times a day. He said that, imagine if you showered five times a day. At the end of the day, would you be dirty? Mm. No, because you've looked after your physical cleanliness. So it's the same. Like a, a prayer is a spiritual shower, and you spiritually cleanse yourself five times. So um, Even the ab ablution, right? That, yeah, absolutely. That itself, doing that five times a day, which is, you know, a precursor to sort of, you know, before we pray, we, we you know, wet certain parts exactly. of the body. Um, and obviously that is purely... We're, that's a physical thing we're doing and obviously yeah. it has sort of spiritual understanding to yeah, it as well but cleanliness is part of faith thing. yeah exactly. cleanliness is part of faith and the thing is it, it just shows that our physical body and spiritual bodies are they're linked that's why we look after our cleanliness we wash ourselves properly wash our hands rinse our nose wash our mouth wash our face our arms our feet whatever we can the body parts that are kind of um are used on a day-to-day -day basis we wash them five times before we pray because again it's not just about okay let me pray because it's a mindset or i have to go into a certain mode no our physical bodies have to be in a certain state and this is where then diet comes into it as well that you have to look after your diet because a strong believer is a true believer they say mm -hmm. um in the sense that if you're physically strong you're able to fulfill those rites of worship like worship isn't for us just sitting down and praying like that's why the prayer element is to stand up and pray and i think that is very important because i know i asked you a question um i wanted to get your thoughts on what what if you know if, if our purpose in this world is to you know wait for the hereafter why is there a need for us to live a healthy life i mean why don't we just do the basic of praying five times a day do we kind of you know try to get out this world as soon as possible to move on to the next but so, i like what well, you said there. well, well the, the the purpose is to fulfill those rights in its true manner and you can only do it by if you are in the position I'll give you to an example I'll give you an example yeah mm -hmm. you first asked us a question that what do you think you need to do to live a happier life like we all gave our answers that relate to us I said just if you're content if you eat uh, for example like you're right my social uh, you can say breaks or my social activities all are in and around eating like I'll go out for a coffee I'll go out for a meal that's it so if I now think well actually life is just about enjoying myself and I need to do these in excess and I just overeat and I exhaust myself, then I'm in a state now where I can't fulfill my basic rights. For example, prayer. Like prayer is not easy. Like it's a, it's a, it's a process, you it's a routine you have to go through in which you have to stay concentrated from the first minute to the last. It's not just a physical motion we go through where we're just doing it to, for a tick box exercise. Again, it's not just a form of exercise for us. It has meaning for it, so that you can only really understand that if you're physically in the right shape of a frame of mind. Sorry, physically in the right shape, mentally in the right frame of mind, and then you understand the wisdom behind what you're doing. It and all adds up. I think that. the beauty in that as well is that, you know, sometimes we we hear sort of opponents of religion in general say that why do you need to pray if God is sort of all powerful? Being why does He require your prayer? But there's a, another sort of wisdom in it, which is what we're discussing today, that actually the benefit is for us. Exactly. The physical and sort of mental, yeah. even social, which we'll touch upon, of praying in congregation. The yeah. benefit doesn't reach God in that sense. The benefit is solely for us. Exactly. Yeah. So I think faith plays a really, really centric role in this, um, more than just uh, from a physical point, but also from a mental standpoint. So in life, there's all sorts of stresses and as we get older or we've got more responsibility these stresses grow in our life and too much stress we know is a bad thing but 
also on the other hand having no stress at all is also a bad thing um you've got no motivation you've got nothing to push you i think you have to have a balance of stress in your life to keep you going so taking a break from our everyday life stresses to meditate five times a day would really help balance that right and then it also shamsi touched upon community which is a huge thing um uh, um uh, which falls into the social aspect of things so think yes we can do things um in our everyday life even if we're not religious to you know take part in community events or do things that are for our community but i think when you're part of a uh, of a religion like in our within our community um in islam we're told to come to pray in congregation that is a time where we are told to come out of your beds or come out of your comfort zones come to the mosque um pray and i think definitely from all three all four of us i mean given where we were geographically located would we have known each other mm. or been in this social or play football with the people we play with um had we not been part of this community it's, it's, it, there's all, there's there's often arguments that people who follow the religion of islam don't sort of mingle with society and sometimes are viewed as like a you know this recluse and just want to stay away from society actually Islam itself makes it incumbent upon you to meet one another more so than from my limited understanding of other religions but more so from anything else that I've seen or any other sort of group that I've seen in the sense that it comes together for the good whether you know it's upon someone's birth or passing away um but the five daily prayers that we have we have uh you know the the ramadan during the year we have the event of hajj you know we have eid um and all of these and those um, are just moments. hold on those are just some of the compulsory events yeah, you yeah. haven't done all those other yeah, social yeah. thousands of social events we have every day exactly you know even there's there there's a responsibility on your community when someone passes away we're talking about sort of social gathering and the support network and structure when someone passes away it's sort of can I could even say mandatory yeah, for yeah. your community to come together and support that household yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just it's not just supporting you know in sharing someone's grief it's also providing food yeah. taking away those response and it's like islam it, actually pushes a social side it's it's interesting because um his holiness gave an interview about so mental health over the last 5 10 years as been highlighted yeah it's always been an issue but it's been highlighted more so in the last 10 years and his holiness the fifth caliph of the md muslim community talking on this topic actually was an interview um, conducted by the review of religions his holiness explained islam's concept of happiness versus grief and it's an amazing interview he explained that the gathering of people um together and social interactions with others is what brings happiness by contrast grief and sorrow are intensified when a person prefers uh, solitude and isolation and he goes on to say how islam kind of goes hand in hand with this particular research because like you mentioned if you just look at the f- five pillars of islam for example took it take one pillar is prayer we're instructed to pray the con- the instruction of prayer is in congregation meaning that to really fulfill this um command of god you have to go to the mosque and pray. And when you go to the mosque and pray, you're not alone. You're standing shoulder to shoulder with people regardless of what background of life they're from, how wealthy, healthy they are, whatever they are, you're all equal in the eyes of God. So you're all there standing shoulder to shoulder with one common goal, which is to worship. And that is an opportunity of socializing. Yeah. And That's just one practice 
that I mentioned that happen. You have five opportunities in a day to do. Even let's say, for example, let's say you go to work, you're not able to come to the mosque. Some people have at work spaces allocated to them where yep. people of the same kind of background can get together at, even at work. Of course. And you can do that. Or and schools we've done that in the past. Yeah. yeah so so that past. again is now an opportunity where people are, who have the same common values are socializing. Fasting, you mentioned. Fasting is such a like, amazing. The practice itself, forget the religious element. Like it can help have so many health balances. How many people say intermittent fasting is like a part of their diet? But as a Muslim, it's like regardless of what level you're practicing Islam, when this month comes along, you are the best version of yourself. Like you 100%. make a, every Muslim in the world makes a special effort to be the best version of themselves. And that's just the blessings attached to that month. So in your family, you'll see where maybe it's not part of your normal routine to eat together because everyone's so busy, they have their own timetables. This is a one month in the year that everyone will wake up and have their breakfast together and everyone will have their evening meal together. It just adds that social element as a family as well. And that's it. So the social part of it, this is a huge thing on longevity. So being in a social circle um, and having society look out for one another rather than, you know, pushing. And we've all heard different versions of the story where um, at one point the son takes the father to a bridge to throw him off and then, you know, that's how society was that people wouldn't look after the old people I mean these, there's different stories of you know you've heard these where you know it's almost like a just just a lesson learned to show that oh and then one day one son decided not to over throw his father off the bridge or off the cliff or whatever because they said that oh when I'm younger than my son would do it to me and decided to look after the to, 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 to his father and I think in society now where we look at there's care homes care homes actually reduce your life expectancy having a, a strong support network around you and a fa- and your family and a strong social group will actually help longevity yeah. so this is something a big thing so in our community where we are so close-knit like this where there's still events from 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 when you were a little kid to even when you're a lot older yeah. um you know i know friends get together a lot of older pe- friends get together go for walks to come to walk to the mosque for morning prayers and then go for a walk afterwards Things like this really impact you mentally and physically to keep yeah. you living a longer life. We've all probably heard the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm. And like, you know, that that's basically putting responsibility on the community as a whole to provide a safe place for a child to grow up, you know, a loving environment, an environment which, where they're taught education, they can then go and work and... It's cohesiveness, isn't it? It's, it's togetherness. You're always stronger, and that is it. And I so, think, yes, yeah, sorry, go on, Trump. Uh, I was going to say, you know, even even in sort of difficult times, even what we see around the world today, you can kind of link it. Where in unity, you will always see that the steps and stand you make mean so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it's the same. Like I said, it's all of these practices that we do as Muslims, and I think this is the. Uh, I remember. Um, there's a very interesting book called Steps to Exercise, mm. written by the fourth caliph. And in the introduction to that book, it's mentioned as one of the points that f- for <coughs> Jodhiza Fulakhan Saab, who's a very prominent member of our community, you can search him up. He mentions um, in the introduction of this book that one point for him that is so strong. Uh, let me just get it out so I don't misquote him. Yeah, he says that in his opinion, one of the greatest beauties of Islam and a proof of its truthfulness is that there is no artificiality or formality in its teachings. Although there was a great possibility of this happening if this religion had been diver- uh, 
diversed by a human being, one of the greatest proofs of the truthfulness of the Holy Prophet, may peace be on him, is that he passed on exactly what was revealed to him by Allah. He didn't. He did nothing on his own accord. And if human beings had decided to design a religion, however honest his intention, he would have tried to emphasize those matters that would be considered spiritual and may well have left the issues that concern the physical dimension of human beings. That is such a strong point that, you know, it's the fact that it's... And one of the examples he gives that in the life of the Holy Prophet, there was a um, companion who saw from a distance that there was another wife of a companion was walking. But she kind of let herself loose in terms of there was no element of um, her looking after her her needs, um, especially when it came to beautification and the way that she presented herself to society. So he obviously thought something was wrong. He approached her, said, what's wrong? There's something seems wrong with you. You're not yourself. And there's no effort that you've made into your clothes or kind of your, your mannerism. And she said... Um, that yeah my husband is so inclined towards praying that he doesn't give me any time so like if i'm not kind of making an effort for him what's the point Mm -hmm. when the holy prophet heard about this he got so upset and he went to that individual and said listen you have rights towards human beings like your family your wife your neighbors you need to fulfill those rights just by doing the prayer element doesn't mean that you're a better muslim you have to fulfill all the rights that are due to you, not just to God, but to human beings. So this is one of those points that, again, it's looking after your physical health is one of those rights as well. Like this body is a gift to us that we've been given. We have no saying when we're born, mm-hmm. we've no saying when we're really going to die. Of but we, what we do know is that we've been given this body and one day it's going to return to God. So we've got to look after it. So I like this example you used because it shows that we don't just need to look after our spiritual well-being, but also our physical and worldly well-being as well. Um, and these things that we do as Muslims, these practical steps that we've been told to take every day, I mean, we, I don't think so we've ever really looked at or comprehended the actual benefit, the the benefits we get, not just from a spiritual, but also a, a worldly uh, point of view, that these steps actually can help us live longer and healthier lives. This idea of community, I mean, that loneliness is becoming a global problem Killer, yeah. right it's a it, it reduces your life expectancy i think about about 15 years they said from, from what i've run in the show and if you think about that 15 years is a big time just because you didn't have someone to speak to just because you didn't have someone to you know to sh- share, share share something with right but within our community and with islam about how we bring community together just not by just the way of praying but you know friday prayers is we're told to come to the mosque to pray in congregation for 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 our friday prayers but this it was also a point of bringing the community together to discuss important things you know, that need to be discussed and bring people together and these things are so important and we don't understand that this actually combats these things of loneliness and this is something this is an idea that was put forward up you know back in 600 ad right so many years ago and um but now we're learning the benefits of these but we we had been taking these practical steps from so long ago i think mo might be able to explain it better but when you're sort of within you know you hear of people who are deep into sort of depression they don't want to leave the house they struggle to leave the house and they don't want to meet people they don't want to speak to people but actually if you're a believer in Islam and you know that God has instructed you to go to the mosque instructed you to pray in congregation you're forced to break that cycle right and that in itself forcing you say up to five times a day in the modern world that we live in if you're at work and you sort of 
try and pray in congregation at work. But if you're forced to then be around sort of other people through not through any other material reason, but through a common goal to sort of strive to reach towards God, then that avenue is just is there for you as something which is mandatory, not even optional. So you kind of, you know, you're helped out of that situation also. You know, we've already mentioned it here, but it's not just um, the prayer element. So, you know, we've already we've already mentioned it, but it's not just a prayer element of it uh, of Islam that um, forces us to be social and to be a community. All the pillars of Islam have a massive element of socializing and being a community. Hajj is done in community; you can't do it on your own. Uh, fasting is, as as uh, Swan yeah. already mentioned, you know, we have a strong element of socializing and community when we're eating together and praying together. Uh, Ramadan course what's that during the month of yeah, ramadan yeah, 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 exactly, like, yeah. yeah and then we've got uh prayer um what are the other two salat hajj as a god oh, it's a good god charity <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so charity right now obviously charity and even recently in the recent year they showed that um the act of uh charity is so significantly um uh, beneficial. beneficial for uh, for our mental well-being and we all had the experience of when we're doing something good for another person we have this feeling of i've, I've done something good yeah mm. and it's yeah. not just the monetary aspect of charity i know mo we've done this before where we, we visited um, an elderly care home yeah so going to the visit people i think this uplifts not just the people visiting but it also uplifted me a lot i felt really good being yeah. there yeah, i felt yeah. like oh i've made a difference in in society yeah. today and i think these things 100 that's a that's a sorry just that's a yeah. huge purpose because if you're struggling financially, if you're down and you know out, and you're you're really sort of um, depressed, when you do something for someone else, it's at that moment, as a as as a human, you feel valued as well. You feel like yeah. you're adding value, and it's so through that, yeah, you get a purpose, and so automatically it uplifts you. Of course, this is a, and this is why we say that when you think of religion and religious practices, they're not just extreme to fulfilling our or the rights of God. Yeah. For example, you just have to be in the mosque 24 hours a day or you just fast every day of the No, that's not it. Like fulfilling the rights of God's creation is also a form of worship. And that's why charity is a pillar of Islam where we say the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, has said that the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives. And the wisdom behind this is everything that you've mentioned, that when you give something, you realize at that time, like it's this lifestyle of always looking at the cup half full rather than half empty that when it comes to worldly matters, don't always look at someone who's got more than you, look at someone who's got less than you and be thankful for what you have. But when it comes to these spiritual exercises, don't look at someone who's less than you, say he's not doing it, so why should I do it? Look at someone who's excessively like spiritual, is spiritual and he's really kind of reached new heights when it comes to his spiritual being. Try to excel and be like him because that way you're humbled and you realize the value of life the value of actually serving mankind because it is you see these cases who people i've known but a lot of people as well where they go through some sort of depression or some sort of mental health uh, issue it's this type of work or these kind of this thinking that helps them get them back on their feet where they realize that actually as bad as i had it there's someone who's worse off than me of course yeah so it's it's just so i think we've pointed out so many examples to show that faith um our faith as well, community, uh, and these things have such an impact on longevity, and and giving us that healthy life and healthy lifestyle to take step. I mean, the thing is, I mean, if we look at the, I don't know, even Pakistan's majority uh, a Muslim country, but I think guess 
with diet and stuff like that. still a very low life expectancy there. But I think not all principles of Islam are adhered to. I think if you do adhere to these, I think, you know, we've spoken about things in moderation, about how much to eat, what to eat. I know um, even, you know, back in... I think now because meat is uh, more affordable, the world, you know, becoming you know more wealthier so people are, have more access to to meat so it's a i think it's almost like it's a social thing uh, sorry yeah. a, a class thing to if you can eat mm. meat you you know it shows you're wealthy and th- things like this um but we've seen that the more wealthy people who, who actually are now step away from meat mm. people are i mean I'm, me personally i'm stepping away from meat as well um but i think there's all these practical steps that faith gives us to live a longer life if we do adhere to them and understand the benefits behind these things that we do every day I think Usman you touched on uh, a really important point there actually what the meaning of the word worship actually is and it's like you sort of indicated it's not just about bowing down um, in sort of physical prayer worship in its actual true form is a lifestyle of sort of goodness leading towards God and that's in, that in, encompasses everything eating right being fit I encompassed within worship because it means you're physically spiritually stronger you know doing good for others again that's a form of worship like you said and I think that's such an important point for for people to understand that the instruction of worship isn't just to bow down the instruction of worship is a lifestyle um, leading to sort of God and goodness I guess one way to um, conclude this show because we're coming to the end of the show is that again like living to the age of 100 is great it shows that you've done something right if physically your body has been able to survive so long but from a religious point of view i guess it's what we're saying is that this our teachings enable you to live i mean if you were just to look at these teachings and not look at them as a religious type of thing just in terms of a lifestyle you would think okay these are the steps you need to take to live a balanced lifestyle which equals a happy life but where you're still fulfilling your desires to to a balanced, moderate way. You're not excessively doing something. Um, you're not doing anything in an extreme manner. Regardless, of, I, I guess the religious element comes in. Obviously, we, we don't, our aim isn't to live the longest life. Our aim is to live a fruitful life where we fulfill our purpose. Um, but more times than not, you would see that people that do that do go on to live a, a long life. And I guess that's our kind of main objective of touching on this topic is yeah. to show you that how religion goes hand in hand with actually being content and living a long and healthy life because it gives you guidelines to follow and if you follow those guidelines and the perfect role model for us is the person that this religion was revealed to in the holy prophet muhammad may the peace and blessings of god be upon him we've come to the end of the show thank you to all of our listeners who have joined us for today we'll be back next saturday for more saturday morning live until then assalamu alaikum may the peace and blessings of god be upon you all